to a show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Match Podcast. Sorry, I had to think for a second because I just recorded So You Like Horror and it's still in my head. So we're here on Off the Match Podcast. And today's guest, as we are slowly, quickly getting to 200 for this episode 197, perhaps, is actually. Uh, Someone I know personally, I, I know most of the guests personally, but a lot of my guests come from Instagram, just kind of like, you know, the remote friendship. So this is actually a teammate, a coach, a friend. And, you know, we we exchange uh, horror movie trailers on Facebook and it, it occurs to me, hey, wait a minute, let me let me get this guy on here. I mean, he's full of wisdom and, and info. So my guest for this episode is. None other than Mr. Coach Neil Duke. Hello, Coach Neil. How are you? And thank you for doing this. Oh, ple- pleasure to be on, on the show. I never would have imagined that this would be an opportunity. Never crossed my mind before, but happy to be here. Happy to have the chat. Oh, I'm I'm glad that, you know, it, it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. It's just kind of it, it, like I, I think as like I'm just rolling with the day, I'm like, oh, I got to reach out to Coach Neil. And then I'll make a note and, you know, I just kind of move on with my day, drink some water, you know, watch a movie. And then like, then it comes back. It's like, Oh, it's 1am. I'm not going to shoot a message now. And, you know, so it's, this has been kind of a procrastination for a while. So I'm glad we finally got to do this. And um, one of the things that, always occur to me when when i'm thinking about like hey i want to have you on is like really just you know talking jujitsu uh first and foremost because as much as i've learned from you you know i always feel like man this guy has like all this like jujitsu wizard stuff going on and 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 knowledge like i gotta know like like where where like how why why like what started you in this so um if if you don't mind like like how did you come about uh, jujitsu and, you know, just this journey? Yeah, well, I, I guess my first disclaimer is I am, I think I'm a certified OG in jujitsu at this point because I've been around for, for a good amount of time. But the first time jujitsu ever came to my attention was probably in the early 2000s. Uh, at one point, I used to be assigned on Andrews Air Force Base. I was an Air Force officer at one point. And I would drive around Camp Springs and I would see these little handmade post posted signs on tree lines and power stations or whatever the case was. And it would say, learn jujitsu, train Gracie jujitsu. And I always thought to myself, well, that sounds intriguing because I come from like a martial arts sort of background. I did have keto, I did, um, um, Gojiru when I was assigned overseas, all the usual karate, breaking board stuff and forms, exercises, which I found at the time I was engaged in it, I guess it was okay. Uh, I thought I was doing something. I remember when I was a 
kid trying to convince my father to enroll me in karate because I wanted to, you know, defend myself in school for one because I wasn't the biggest kid. Um, but I became disillusioned, I guess, with karate and martial as a martial arts right around the same time I was learning about the possibility of jujitsu because no disrespect to the karate and taekwondo practitioners, but you don't learn a lot really how to defend yourself when you're doing forms and breaking boards. <laughs> so I, I see these signs, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and it's to Lloyd Irving's place. And back then he was kind of new to the industry, but he had a school up in Upper Marlboro's, Maryland. And I thought to myself, and this was around the same time the UFC was just kicking off too, right? So you're seeing this little guy named Boyce Gracie uh standing up to like the chemo leopolds and the dan severns and the ken shamrocks and just you know whipping some tail in it in his pajamas at that i'm thinking this little brazilian guy i mean i'm probably his size and god knows i could probably use a little bit of his self-defense skills and i'm thinking i should i should try out this school so longer story made short i found where Lloyd was operating his uh, his school in Upper Marlboro. And back then it's nothing like it is now. I mean, now it's, you know, it's internationally known. Some of the best grapplers in the world cycle through his school. But back then we were on carpets and in a very small space in, in Upper Marlboro. And I remember going to his class and back then jujitsu had no chill. Your first class there, you were sparring. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember finishing up getting my tail whooped and I don't know how my tail was whooped and Lloyd approaching me after class and saying, Hey, you have fun. You want to be back? And I'm thinking my, literally my muscles were quaking at that point. And I'm thinking that was the worst experience I ever had, but I have to come back. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. So that's where my jujitsu journey started by just coming back that for that second class. And like I said, it's been, I guess maybe 20 years. I hate to say that because all, all my young friends will say, good grief, you're, you're, you're ancient. Oh, I, I don't think of it as ancient as much as it's, you know, seasoned. Yeah, that's, that's um, why I'm, I'm, I'm well seasoned. I'm, I'm the rotisserie chicken that's been in, been in that oven for a while. <laughs> in, in fairness, my jujitsu journey has had its peaks and valleys. But based on injuries, based on family needs, there have been times I've stepped away from it for, for months, um, sometimes a few years. But I, jujitsu's that uh, your high school crush that you can't get over. And I always wind up returning to jujitsu one, one way, shape, or form. And uh, I've been back now at it at least for the last year and a half or so, I want to say. Um, COVID kind of put a strain on everything. Um, COVID was a brilliant justification to avoid human contact. So I, I remember I kind of put it on the back burner for a bit until I finally said, I, I looked at the scale and the scale told me, Neil, you need to get your butt in the gym again. Um, and that's where I've been. Love the sport. Good, good. Uh, COVID, I think, was kind of a, I know for me, it was a wake up call. I think I just got in my blue belt and 
it was at a point where I was going as much as possible. And one day my wife says to me, Hey, so your daughter hasn't seen you in a while. You probably need to like have more than one day off per week. And I was like, Oh, I get, well, cause like I was off on Saturday cause I worked <laughs> and I come home from work and like, you know, my daughter's being put to bed and I go to the basement and then, you know, watch movies or, you know, pose action figures or whatever I do down here. But <laughs> like COVID was, you know, in one way, kind of a wake up call, I know for me, but then at the same time, I think it, it kind of put us all as grapplers for the most part, kind of in a weird spot where we're like, we do a martial art where we're up close and personal with, with folks and yeah. can't do that. Yeah, it was, it was a real dilemma. Um, but like I said, I think I, I'm probably weighing in at around 186, 187 right now as I'm sitting here. But during the COVID days, when there was nothing for me to do other than watch movies and, and snack, I was probably a good 20 pounds heavier. And I, it became visible when I would look down with my toes and I'm like, hmm, that round mound there on my belly, it's, I don't remember that from when I was youthful. Uh, it, it's definitely like riding a bike. Um, you, oh, yeah. once, once you return, you things come back quickly, all the muscle memory. And right now it's where I'm trying to perfect all the old muscle memories that I had, all the information that's been taught to me over the years, trying to have that seamless kind of jujitsu. Um, at least that's my goal. Oh, well, I mean, I have enrolled with you and, and God knows how long, but I'm sure that there's still, there's this fearful respect. <laughs> like, uh, I think the last time I rolled roll with you, I think I was like coming into my own. I was like, okay, I got this dude. I got him. <laughs> and it, I, I feel like for me, I was just like overzealous and trying to pressure past you. And you just use my weight against me. It was like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing here? And then just got swept him out and felt like, okay, I still got some learning to do, but we, we all do. You, you were always a fun role though, because you, you know, we always rolled with each other with respect. It was never one of those um, spazzy situations where we're pretending we're, you know, chasing a medal or something like that. Because you know, we, have, we have to go to work the next day. <laughs> yeah, that that's always my approach to every role with everyone is, look, we've got day jobs. So let's just be cool. And every so often, you know, like, you know, with Huggy, he and I would always have like those end of the, the, the world roles where we're just colliding and, and scrambling and, and, you know, by the end of it, you know, we're both smiling and laughing, but it, it, during a role, it's like he, he, he would refuse to tap to anything. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like we're going to get hurt. <laughs> like, we, we, like someone's got to tap. And he's like, well, it won't be me. But you know, that that's like the rare case where I'm like, okay, like we're going to the death. Most people, yeah, it's like, you know, you have to be respectful. You have to, you know, take care of your training partners. It's like, like I always say, you break your toys, you don't have anything to play with, you know, the next day. Yeah, that's so right. I mean, you can only do so many Kong versus King Kong or Godzilla versus King Kong matches um, before your body starts to, you know, feel the effect of that. But uh, yeah. 
the challenge for me now is as a as a brown belt, um, letting other people work, and then also kind of figuring out, you know, all the muscle memories, all the techniques, and using appropriate techniques. And you know, they tell you there's a white and a blue belt. Don't use strength. Don't use strength. Use technique. And that's kind of hard to do because everyone has a little bit of ego in the game. And when someone starts pressing you, then you're like, hmm, okay, I'll escalate as well. Uh, and I think I'm coming to the point now where I can relax more and just appreciate the rounds more. And I'm finding it's really doing great for my cardio because when I first started, I was like a hundred miles an hour. Um, I wasn't going to beat you with technique or skill. I was going to beat you because I was just going to swarm all, all over you and go 100 miles an hour, which is great for 30 seconds or maybe a minute. Uh, and now I'm learning that by just breathing and relaxing and just thinking things through, uh, the rounds go by a lot quicker, not really tired or exhausted after rounds necessarily. Um, and you know, I just attribute that to having a different mindset uh, when rolling. Plus, you know, as a brown belt for the junior belts, you're somewhat of a target. And part of part of that is ego. You know, do I let this white belt get into a good position because they're going to think that, you know, I'm a tomato can, like our old instructor used to say, or do I just let them work in because I have no ego in the game? Um, I guess sometimes it depends on who you're rolling with, too. <laughs> there, there's some, there's some, there's some dudes that need to just know that you're capable of, of inflicting grievous bodily harm. And then there are the nice dudes who are like, okay, I'm just going to let this person work. Uh, maybe I'll put them in a couple of difficult positions and talk them through how they get out. Um, but jujitsu is the ultimate equalizer because it doesn't matter what your background is, uh, what kind of shape you're in. Everyone's equal once you get on the mat and everyone's capable of, of prevailing in, in a match. So, yeah, I, the ego part is is huge because I think about there. There's a couple roles I know that I have, even in the current day, where it's like, I look, we're gonna work together, but every so often I have to remind them, I can, I can do bad things, and then they don't get it twisted. They can do bad things to me too, but it's really a race. Then it's like, who's gonna do the bad first? But you know, we're, we're still respectful. Everyone's respectful. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, just, you know, we talk about it afterward, like, hey, man, you know, you had me there. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was concerned. I didn't think I had you there, but no, no, you had me. But then I also, if you had me there, I also had this here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it, it's all, it's, it's chess. Yeah. Uh, it, it's weird for me to describe this. And I've tried it with other folk. But I think what keeps me in jujitsu at this stage is I'm still waiting for that moment of grand enlightenment where it's like the matrix and Neo when all the numbers, the binary system just come crashing down and like, you know, I can stop bullets and manipulate time and space and everything. And jujitsu just becomes like, like so understandable and relatable in a kind of cosmic sense. It, I'll, I'll give you an example um, where I've, first started thinking in this in this way. Back at our old school over in uh, Severna Park, our old instructor invited this fellow black belt of his um, to do an instruction. 
and he was great. Um, he was doing leg locks and all these different sort of things. But the moral of the story is after, well, once he stopped teaching his techniques and everything, he rolled with everyone in the, in the class. And he started flat on his back, folded his hands over his chest like Dracula, and, you know, just had his hands near his neck, maybe just to protect from, you know, obvious chokes and everything. And he said, okay, let's go. And I'm thinking back then I might have been a blue or, bur or purple. I'm thinking this dude is going to allow me to like just maul him and he's just laying on his back. So, okay, clock starts and I, I go at it and I'm mounting and side controlling and doing everything in my, in my power to like try to submit the dude. And it was, he was like basically the C Steven Seagal of jujitsu who would just like flick me off and then start back over again, flat on his back. And I said to myself, ain't this the darndest thing ever? There's another side of jujitsu I just didn't realize. And that's how effortless it could be and how, yeah, just how effortless it could be uh, if you have a mindset that you're going to defend uh, and you're going to use proper technique. And I'm like, that's that's what, where I want to be uh, ultimately in jiu-jitsu, where I could just lay down, allow people to, to work, and nothing's going to phase me because I'm not going to be submitted. Uh, but, you know, again, ego and adrenaline and a touch of testosterone get caught up in the mix. And where you think you're going to have jiu-jitsu nirvana, you want you end up rolling with with someone who's you know in a life or death situation, especially when they start going for the feet. Um, that's yeah, yeah. The feet are off limits for me. As soon as I feel anyone touch touch my feet, I'm like, okay, now I have to turn it on because I it I almost feel like and that's my ego. There is like I'm not I don't want to get foot locked in any way, shape, or form or wrist locked. I uh, that's. That's 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 the devil's work right there. I I, I will share with you that uh, it was back in August of last year. I had a partial rupture of my Achilles tendon, um, oh. so I was down for a while. And um, they tried to convince me to get surgery initially when I went for my consult, and I'm like, eh, slow your roll. Let's, let's get an MRI and see what's actually going on with the Achilles. And as it turned out, it was a partial as opposed to a full rupture. One of the options legitimate options was just, you know, just being patient, put in the boot, use cane crutches, whatever, and, um, you know, wait this out and eventually go to PT. I was blessed that, uh, you know, I was able to rebound fairly quickly. Um, I guess August was tough. September was rough. October became tolerable. In November, I started having real progress. So I returned to the mat sometime in November and um, haven't had any ill effects yet, knock on wood, but if anyone goes for the foot, um, uh, at that point it's on. <laughs> yeah. There, um, there was a open mat we had, I want to say three weeks ago, maybe. And we were just, I mean, for the open mat that we do, it's just drilling. No, no sparring of any sort, just simple drilling, which it, it's very welcomed. For me, because I feel like that's something I don't encounter enough in my in my own routines. So when I'm put in a situation where it's like all we're doing is drilling, there's no other option. But uh, one one of the guys there, 
was drilling wrist locks. And I'm just thinking, it's like, why? <laughs> this like, that doesn't feel like something you should even be drilling because you have to have a willing participant to just say, here, go ahead and wrist lock me. And, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, it's like, you, are you angry at us? Like, who hurt you? What, like, they, you know, you see guys, they, they work on leg locks and things, and it's, you know, kind of catch and release. But I'm just thinking, like, wrist locks. Like, what? <laughs> Prison rules? Come on, dude. We're drilling. Like, what are we Yeah, doing? those are prison rules. And wrist locks and certain foot locks are the last bastion of the coward. And occasionally <laughs> I've become cowardly. But it, look, I, I, I try not to judge. But when people go for wrist locks against me, I'm thinking, this person is emotionally vulnerable and hurt. And they're trying to take it out on me for some reason. Uh, and I won't tolerate it. <laughs> Uh, when whenever i so i have a weird relationship with wrist locks because our our old instructor uh he and i would roll every so often and and i was very very i felt like i was really good at defending the wrist lock you know i would uh tense up my wrists while especially rolling with him and i mentioned this just in conversation it's like you know but, you know, that's the one thing I just can't tolerate. And then I think I got comfortable with him one day. We're rolling and my hand is just dangling there. He wrist locks me. And then from that point on, the rest of the week just sent me uh, messages with, you know, hands like with the wrist circled x-rays with like broken wrists, like, like completely snapped. And it was like, so how you feeling? And, you know, it, it's kind of like at a, a warehouse. Uh, zero days since last incident. Um, so I had to start to take her <laughs> back over. And, and when I returned to training kind of more frequently uh, in the last year, you know, one of our uh, purple belts just did the most friendly wrist lock. It, it, like It's weird to say a friendly wrist lock, but he wrist locked me and he was so polite about it and just like, I felt like I was mad. I didn't talk to him for two weeks. Every time I saw him, like, you want to roll? I was like, no, I'm good. I'm just <laughs> left. The class was over. But, you know, I, I had to start, like, kind of really thinking about it. It was like, dude, why, like, why are you angry about this? The, you know, they're using the technique. But I just have really sensitive wrists is what it is. And what? It, it, I'm scared. You're probably like me and 90-something percent of all jiu-jitsu practitioners after you leave a class and if you've tapped to something that's either bs or you tap to it because you were tired or you tap to it because you used bad technique the, the drive home is intolerable and it sticks uh -huh. with you until the next time you're in class and you're thinking to yourself why did i tap there are only 10 seconds left in the round or why did i tap then now he's this person's going to think that you know i'm a, a lesser version of myself uh but yeah that's that's the worst feeling um regret <laughs> from from uh tapping um, to something that you probably shouldn't have but again i know the the seniors in the game say if you're not tapping you're not learning and yeah i, I sure. think there's truth to that um if you're not challenging yourself and if you're not putting being put in bad positions it means you're probably not in the right school or you're not with the right training partners because you, you know, 
definitely need to work have have that grind in order to advance yourself i think as much as as much as i hate it in the moment <laughs> yeah I, I think with the wrist lock for me just that that's the big tap for me is the wrist lock actually and i'm not going to put any names out there but i know they're going to listen to this and they know who they are i was put in a triangle and i was about to tap and they wrist locked me the hand that I was going to tap with is what they wrist locked. It's like, you didn't give me the opportunity to tap. You just you, you, like, it's, that's, it, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm emotional, but whatever. <laughs> like, and then, you know, it was a friend. That's what made it worse. It's a friend. So uh, there used to be a black belt in our school who was notorious for going for heel hooks. Now he wouldn't crank them, but he would jump into the heel hook put you into, the, at least with maybe it was just me, maybe, maybe he had it in for me. He put me in a heel hook. Um, I'm not going to try to escape from a heel hook and roll out of it because like you said, I got to go work work the next day. But he would put me in the heel hook, then he would look at me and smile. It was like one of those catch and releases. And I thought to myself, you son of a, I'm like a, I think at that time I'm like white or blue belt at best. And you're heel hooking me? Um, but it, did lead to my refinement in the dark arts. Um, that was my motivation. It's like, I, this is I, what led you to the dark side. Yeah, I, I'm, I was house sl sl uh, Slytherin after that. Um, forget those nice guys in Gryffindor or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like they say, if you can't beat them, join them. So it makes I, sense. I, much respect to leg lockers. I, I, I'm trying to refine my game every time, but um, it is the great equalizer especially with guys who play open guard. Uh, mm -hmm. I find once you grab hold of, of their feet and ankles, it, it, it changes their mindset as to how open their guard, um, how much of an open guard they want to play. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good reminder there. Cause I, I not that I, have, I play open guard very well, but there are times where I'm just sitting there. Now that I'm thinking about it, you know what? Let me just not commit to that anymore. This, it could get ugly. Yeah, you know, know your training partners. <laughs> True. I feel like I'm at a point now when it comes to training partners, I will roll with anyone just because, you know, that's what we're there for. And that's how you learn is you get that experience with many different, you know, um, you know, grapplers. But from time to time, I have to, you know, say, do I have any injuries going on? How tired am I? Because uh, yeah. lately the cardio, it, it's better now, but. You know, in the recent weeks, it's like, uh, you know, I get done with a roll. And I'm like, dude, I shouldn't be this tired. And someone's like, I say, you good for a roll? And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I should. Like, and I say, yeah, come on. <laughs> it, it doesn't go well, but it, like, it is important though to, like you said, know your training partners. You know, and it's okay to say no to a roll every so often. Like, I'm, I'm learning that now. Like, just, you know, I, I'm gonna sit this one out. Yeah, I guess for the folks who are listening to, not all schools are equal. You just have to find the right school that fits your your um, your needs um, in jujitsu. Uh, I started off with Team Lloyd Irving. I'm still with Team Lloyd Irving slash Crazy Eighty Eight, uh, but I've visited other schools and I've even enrolled in other schools from time to time just to diversify my skill set. Um, and there's one place where um, 
was an, a newbie and uh, doing some stand-up um, work. Well, actually, we started standing up. Uh, and I wasn't good at a lot of things, but I was good at not being taken down. <laughs> and this particular blue belt was frustrated by that particular skill set that I had. So he kind of jumped. It wasn't even like butt scooting. It was like jumping guard and then throwing his hips into my knees, which buckled one of my knees and like hyperextended it. It took me out for like six months. And I'm like, after that, I'm like, okay, if this dude's still around, this isn't a place that it's going to be a safe environment for me. Um, and yeah. I think I learned a little bit of jujitsu compassion after that. And I probably started for the first time slowing down. Um, I think there's a thing that comes with that though too, because like you said, that not all schools are, you know, created equal. You know, you go to some gyms and, you know, it, it's super, you know, super casual, super, you know, laid back. You're, you're definitely learning jujitsu, but, you know, kind of in a more relaxed setting. Then you have your competition settings. And then you have still to this day some gyms that are just the Wild West. And they're just like, you know, anything goes. Oh, you're wearing a gi? It's cool. He'll hook them. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Oh, he's a white belt. Let the white belt sell hook. I definitely don't think that's right. But okay, wrist lock, wrist lock all the white belts. Like, dude, like I gotta leave this gym. I can't be here. Like, people are gonna die. So it's like a bad episode of Survivor, except with everyone with jujitsu skills and just utter mayhem. I, I get it. I'd watch that. <laughs> hey, we can get this greenlit. Put together a little script. I've seen some some things on television. I'm pretty sure we can make this happen. With stuff I've been seeing lately, it's like, oh my god, they okay that? I've got some ideals. <laughs> with with your training right now, um, you know, you said you just you know kind of returned back in November uh, from the Achilles injury. Like how how often are you training uh, per week? Like once a week has been. I'm going to, well, I'm trying to be cautious with the Achilles, but I, I try to get in at least once a week. And I think at some point uh, I'll get off my lazy duff and I'll go into two a week. Three a week would be really um, optimistic for me. Um, oh, I, I keep telling myself, you know, I, I really should like return to like competition. So maybe this summer, if my mind and body agree, um, I'll start considering doing like one of those international sort of competitions because for me at this stage, um, as I'm getting more and more seasoned and the calendar keeps turning, I'm thinking to myself, as long as I continue to age gracefully, I could really like wrist lock a bunch of people my own age on the international scene or, or any of my other devious little tricks. Yeah. I wonder you know, like on the bigger stage, like the Europeans just recently took place. I want to say this past week, maybe. I, I, I wonder, you know, what's their their fill on wrist locks and if they they got a good grasp on it. And, and you know, just out there rolling. I know we sent a couple guys over um, for for Europeans, and I know one of them is big on wrist locking because he forced me into a wrist lock. I'm not that I was nowhere near what I thought was a wrist lock. And somehow he grabbed my hand, tucked it into his like, like between his like shoulder and his like chin and wrist lock. And I was like, dude, you could just use your hand. <laughs> like, you don't have to do it this way. But 
like i wonder you know what that's you know what you know what their feeling is over in you know europe with with wrist locks and hell i mean even brazil you know yeah. all right I, I think i think they're you know kind of a mixed bag when it comes to leg locks and different things like that but i'm always curious yeah they probably think those crazy americans uh i i know one of our teammates uh one goal that we at the most recent Europeans over in, I guess it was in Paris. And I yes. believe his stats were four out of five of his victories were wrist locks. So cl clearly there's a cult uh, of demonic uh, submissions uh, that, <laughs> that apparently I'm a part of. <laughs> well, uh, it, it sounds like it's pretty clear that over there, they're not well-versed in wrist locks then. It's like... <laughs> And I, I'm willing to bet the one that he didn't win by wrist lock, he probably was going for it. And they're just like, here, take the arm bar instead. <laughs> so it would have been five for five. But uh, but yeah, that's exciting, though. Uh, you know, you know, just the thought of you, you know, considering coming back and, and competing, maybe because I know. For me, that that's something that's been kind of creeping in my mind is like, you know, do I want to? do this and I, I think for me the big part of it isn't so much the competition i think it's the work to get to the competition now because oh yes it's it's it's, it's a lot so you definitely need that um to hone your skill set and advance your game before getting there and i get that um so we'll, we'll see if the body cooperates, maybe I'll, as LL says, don't call to come back. I can say that, you know, I'm the ultimate cheerleader. I, I will tell everybody, yo, get out there. I believe in you. you got this. I'll, I'll start sending you motivational videos, Rocky soundtrack and everything. And then like, so Dante, are you going to do it? Oh, no, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm not crazy. I got stuff to do. I got action figures to buy. Why, like, why would I compete? Like I'm, I'm nice. I'm friendly. Like I got a podcast. I want people to want to come on here and be my guest. Like I don't want about that. Somebody beat me so bad in competition. They're like, "Hey, you want to be on my podcast?" They probably just look at me like, "Uh, no, <laughs> no, we good." <laughs> like I'll listen though. Like no, you won't. That hurts. But but I'm glad to hear that though. So, uh, you know, one thing that I, I never knew this about you, actually, I don't think I knew it for a while while training with you is um, that you're a lawyer. Like, yeah, it is. So contrary to my work life persona that people who I've worked with who have found out, they're like, what? That's crazy but yeah even from the very start when i was first introduced to jujitsu i was practicing law as a very young associate at my first firm and now i'm just in a place where i'm i guess one of the more seasoned attorneys within my legal department and you know people probably think it's a little bit out there <laughs> for, for for me to be doing this but it actually, I, it actually, in a weird sense, has kind of helped. I, I'll put it this way. Most people, at least unless you're like semi-psychotic, don't like physical confrontation. I mean, we don't go out there to the Wegmans or to the Safeway with the mindset that 
you know, I'm going to beat someone's butt over here, over by the, uh, the, the salad bar. No one thinks that way. Again, unless you should be locked up and you're just a burden to society anyway. And I'm the same way. I, I don't do physical confrontation. And actually, just the verbal confrontation in practicing law is, you know, I had to grow into that. Uh, but having practiced jujitsu, it gives you such a remarkable sense of calm during potential confrontational moments in life that I think it's really helped me with my own practice, uh, to be honest with you. Um, things don't stress me out. Um, even in the worst scenarios where, you know, uh, when I was in trial and things weren't going necessarily all that well, um, I just would think back to, you know, a moment on the mat where things were really <laughs> dire and I'd say, okay, this will pass. Oh, did you see uh -huh. that one uh, viral clip of the dude who jumped mm -hmm. over and attacked the judge? Yes. Uh, I, that was so wild. And I'm thinking, if I were the judge and he jumped over there, <laughs> I would take an arm or I would or I would wrist lock him or something. Yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, people, the yeah. personnel in the courthouse, I was looking at the video and they they were just so ineffective. And it 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 just it just is a constant reminder that the vast majority of the universe, when stuff goes down, like Cypress Hill says, but in more profane terms, um, just aren't prepared for a physical encounter. And that's the beauty of jujitsu for me. I mean, the amount of self-confidence that it inspires in you that you can be anywhere out, you know, with your family and your friends and if someone jumps over the, the proverbial bench and tries to jump you, well, you're well, safe. I hope they have good insurance. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this one funny story. I had this one expert witness on the stand and I'm working my, my stuff with him and cross-examining him. Um, and it was over uh, the issue of reaction time. Basically, his side of the case was that uh, my clients um, roughed up his clients prematurely. They exhibited, you know, ex ex excessive force and all what have you against his client. The other part of the story was his client had rushed my clients, and my clients reacted to that being rushed with <laughs> putting hands on them, uh, which I thought was somewhat reasonable. So my cross examination of him was. You know, you would admit that, you know, in the span of 10 feet, you don't know what a person might be carrying. You don't know what threat they are. And he was trying to convince me that, you know, they should have employed like verbal tactics with this person. And I'm thinking that wouldn't work. And it, uh, one of my questions to him was, you know, he's sitting on the witness stand and I'm in the well, of the courtroom questioning him. And I'm saying to him, um, if I were to approach him, you know, with hostile intent, um, would he admit that uh, there's no way he'd be able to stop me before, you know, within 10 feet, 10 feet of, of space? And he said, oh, I would put you on your back so fast. Longer story made short, he also was a jujitsu practitioner <laughs> from somewhere in Jersey. So we had a good chuckle about that after after the fact that he was actually a really decent guy. And I'm like, you really think you put me down? He's like, yeah, I put you down. And I'm like, 
Um, I don't think so, but you know, eventually maybe we'll just hook up on the mat somewhere and we'll figure this out. Uh, but yeah, um, funny moments in the practice of law when jujitsu and lawyering collide. <laughs> it, it's also funny too, just the chances of you know that situation being earned and both people, you know, practice jujitsu, which is becoming almost kind of a more common thing, you know, to to some degree. You know, I think a lot of people, if they don't particularly stick with it, maybe they've dabbled. So they might have some idea, not a full idea if they only stuck around for the trial, but people are trying at least. I've always thought, and I never get in physical confrontations. I don't know. Maybe it's just either I, I, I look too reasonable for people to try to pick on me, or maybe I just am too beefy for people to pick on me. I always thought that if I ever got in a confrontation with someone physically and we come to find out that we're both in jujitsu, we'd be best friends and we'd go out and have drinks or something. Because it really is a brother and sisterhood in jujitsu. Uh, um, and you no, know, it's a growing population, but still, you know, you kind of appreciate the journey other people are on too. I always talk with one of my co-hosts about he he's a big boxing fan. And, you know, we we talk about MMA, boxing, jiu-jitsu, things like that. And, you know, a lot of times the conversation comes up of, you know, just really, you know, you know, well, what if this person fought this person? Da, da, da. And, you know, they're always hypotheticals. And, and it's like, well, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't imagine they're going to, you know, Unless it's, you know, a paid fight, you know, it's something that's sanctioned, you know, most people who practice uh, martial arts or any kind of combat sport, for the most part, don't tend to, you know, practice it out in, in the open, out in the regular everyday life, because, you know, most of us are, you know, we, we, we know that violence now. So we're like, this can hurt someone or, and, you know, also not just that. You could get hurt no matter how well versed you are. You know, injuries can happen. And, you know, when we practice in the in the gym, you know, we're all under the same idea and we're doing things we know how to roll and, and and keep each other safe. But if you're in a situation out in the street and you know you do something silly and end up in a bad situation, although you might, you know, come out on top, there's still matters where you could end up zigging when you should have zagged and you know, get hurt. So I think a lot of us tend to, you know, use, you know, verbal uh, de-escalation, but we know we have it in our pocket if we need it. Yeah, I think some of the most peaceable and well-adjusted people are my jiu-jitsu friends who have attempted to strangle me or put me in various locks or, or kill holds or, or what have you. Some of the more maladjusted people are the ones that really can't fight. <laughs> but they probably watched a couple of UFCs and a couple of videos. And, you know, when when they see red bodies start hitting the floor, sort of mindset. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always my favorite thing to hear is like, well, when I see red, I, I, I had a co-worker, old co-worker. <laughs> he'll say, I don't know. I mean, if I black out, and I was like, if you black out. It's because luck. you've been choked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you black out, it, it, yeah, there's a reason for it. it it's. It's always, a, and, and it's just crazy because I still hear people to this day still saying it, but those are also people who probably haven't, you know, 
touched violence in, in, in a way that you know, it's like when you see two guys at the bar fighting, it's two people who more than likely don't know how to fight. So it's like, you know, you'll hear things like, I, I think there's a rumor of Jimmy Fallon getting into some scraps and they're like, oh, Jimmy Fallon can fight. And it's just a weird thing. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, really? <laughs> there, there are degrees to that, to fighting, right? And yeah. I'll admit, everyone can be dangerous for 30 seconds. And then mm -hmm. after 30 seconds, that separates the degrees of your skill set. I mean, I used to box in college until like my sophomore, junior year, when I decided I was taking too many shots to the head <laughs> and I needed to focus on, you know, graduation, things like that, and, you know, not having yeah. my folks waste money on my college education uh, just for me to take punches every day. Uh, but it's a, it's a beautiful, all martial arts have some degree of beauty from boxing to Muay Thai to Jiu Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu is just what's always kind of captivated me because you know, it's overused when you say it's human chess, but it, I mean, a physical struggle against someone else who has similar skill set and is resisting you is probably as close to an actual fight as you're going to get without the punches to the face or the knees and all that stuff. And for that, you can just do Muay Thai class or, or kickboxing class. Um, but yeah, it, it gives you the ultimate sense of satisfaction and, and confidence. And, you know, I, I don't know where I would have been in life without jujitsu. Oh, I probably would weigh a whole lot more. Maybe I'd be lifting more and, you know, putting on gym muscles and saying, you know, body's going to hit the floor after I see red and black out. Uh, maybe I'd be one of those gym bros. I hope not. Uh. <laughs> jujitsu turned me from that. I was that. When I came into jujitsu, I was that guy. I was lifting weights, had like muscles all up my neck. It was like, oh my god, like what is this guy looking to do? And then <laughs> when um, I got choked with my own T-shirt, I realized, okay, maybe, just maybe, all these muscles ain't doing nothing for me. And that's not to say strength doesn't have its place. You know, there there is the great debate these days. But you know, if you got a bunch of a bunch of muscle and you ain't got no skill. You know, you're just a, a target now for someone to show you the gentle art and fold your clothes while you're still wearing them. Yeah. So. I mean, unless you're that 0.5% of muscle and mass, like, um, what's his name? Brian Shaw, you know, those guys who are like three, 400 yeah. pounds, strongman competition. Yeah. They don't have necks and there are certain submissions you probably want to go for like arm bars are probably useless because their arms are the size of your legs uh, anyway um, those are like the point something percent of dudes that once they learn jujitsu plus their mass and strength are going to be terrifying but most everyone else their cardio is only going to be limited to x amount of time and um you know i've always thought Worst case scenario, I just employ the dark arts, wrist locks and heel hooks. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, there's a time and place for those and practice is not those. But if you're <laughs> in a dire situation, sometimes you might have to shred someone's ACL, you know, just to remind them, hey, guess what? The fight can always be taken to the ground, my friend. But, you know, it, hopefully, you know, those situations don't come up, you know, where you know necessary but like i said 
for a lot of us, we, we try to de-escalate using words, but we have it in our pocket if we need it. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's the gentle art. And for me, it's just a matter of learning and continuing to develop skill sets that where I can just be entirely comfortable and just flow through my jujitsu. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. It, it could happen next week or it could happen years from now, but that's what I'm constantly searching for in jujitsu is that perfect Zen moment where everything just kind of flows together. The, the aha. It, it, I get yeah, it. exactly. I think those come in like stages or steps at times because I've had like aha moments at like certain points where it's like, aha, I don't have to use all my strength. Like, all right, now that I'm not using all my strength, and you get to the next aha moment. Aha, like, you know, you got to keep moving. You're like, okay, now that I've gotten those two things out of the way, aha, you know, beat a man on top. Like, yes, have a ground game, a guard game, but. You know, you shouldn't rely on it. So I, I think there are always the, those phases, those steps as we go through our journey, at least for me, you know, th those are those aha moments where I was like, oh, OK, now I got it. And then I was like, Wait, well, no, 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 there's more to get. There's still more. So there's there's always something else that you're missing. But yes. one of my usual laments is after I come home from a class, I start thinking to myself, wait a second. I knew something that I could have done at that particular moment that I've been training like maybe five or 10 years ago. Why didn't I try that tonight? I'm thinking, oh yeah. And then the, you know, I've been in the game long enough where I know a series of different moves and possibilities, but I've forgotten a lot, a lot of them because I'm not training you know, multiple times during the week. And I'm probably not giving it enough thought during the week too. Um, which is probably something I, I should probably start doing because part of jujitsu is, you know, just having the right mindset and thinking through things. Um, everything is training, uh, yep. including making some time for yourself to mentally rehearse your game, um, which is something I, I, I probably don't do enough of. I, I think note taking is huge. I remember uh, your Friday night class. There, there's uh, one of the classes, I think I left my notebook and you would give me your notes. Yeah. You're like, well, here, you know, so yeah. like I, I went home and stapled them into my notebook. And then I have a second notebook that I write a lot of stuff. Like it's weird because I have one notebook where I take like post-its mm -hmm. and I stick the post-its to the page. I have another notebook where I write the stuff out and it doesn't make sense. But it does to me. It's like, I don't know why it's that way, but it's like, you know, I'll write notes on what it, in writing it out. I know for me makes it kind of like because I have to play it out and then like remember, OK, this is what we did. And oh, that that's wrong. Let's take a few steps back. But I, I'm, I'm also trying to get better at when I'm away from the mat, incorporating just like thought about it. My daughter. I think we're, well, I know we're putting her in like these acting classes now, which starts this weekend. And she keeps asking, Dad, you know, can, can you teach me some jujitsu? I'm like, well, I don't know if I should be the one teaching you jujitsu. Like, cause I would be like the worst teacher for her. 
this because she was like, I hate jujitsu. I hate you. And it's like, but, but she's at the age now she's grown like size wise enough where I can kind of work some hill hooks on her. Her leg is just big <laughs> enough. Um, so it's like, as, as I'm sitting, you know, on the couch, sometimes like on my phone, looking at like YouTube, I'm like, now look over at my daughter. I'm like, no, her arm isn't quite big enough yet. Like maybe next year. But then I look at her leg and I'm like, but those, her those foot fits. <laughs> so, it, but, it, you know, keeping the thought of, of jujitsu, you know, away from the mat, you know, it's, it's always one of those things that I've struggled with, but I'm trying to get a lot better at it myself. Yeah. There are times I catch like one of my old notes and I'm thinking to myself, what, what was I teaching? How, how did I do this? Um, it's yeah, it's 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 always beneficial to like have a good training partner. You remember uh, Ryan, um, aka Kungle? Yeah, I was just thinking about him in in that moment. As you, so I was thinking about when he was teaching us cross chokes, and I still there was like a way that he was showing us. I still do it to this day. Yeah, it, finding a good training partner. We used to. Even after the Friday night classes, we'd stay after a little while and like just experiment with stuff, uh, which helped out tremendously um, because you need that room to grow your game where you're not just, you know, just not just the basics, but also learning situational awareness, um, what parts of you might be vulnerable to attack uh, and yeah. vice versa with your with your uh, opponent. Um, but yeah, those are fun days, hopefully to be recaptured. Yeah, it, it's 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 weird now. I, I only typically make it in on Saturday, and I'm you know starting to do the open mat on Sundays now, um, just to get that drilling in. But usually during the week, the issue that I would always have because I I like that after class, you know, just kind of five minutes after at least to kind of just ask questions and go over some things. But during the week, you know, it's always tough for me to get that just with the night classes. You know, I, I don't even go to night class anymore anyway, because by the time classes like ending, my wife has to get to work. So I'm like, oh, like she's probably going to be late. But on Saturdays afterward, it's like, you know, we do open, you know, we have like kind of a 30 minute open mat. We just spar afterward. And then, you know, even after that, we, you know, we'll sit around on the mats and just talk. And then talk through things. Then the talk becomes like, here, let me show you. And then let me show you because, hey, let's drill that a couple more times. So, yeah. you know, there's evolution to it. And it's all about the journey, my friend. Yes, yes. And I, I think that's something that is important in keeping people active on the mat and keeping people, you know, just invested in it is understanding it is a journey. And if you're in this, with ideal of I, I i say this with everything podcasting jujitsu um comic book collecting if you're looking at this we'll use jujitsu as the example there with belts i'm here for this belt. i'm here for that belt you're gonna struggle if you go into podcasting right out the gate talking about i want sponsors and i'm gonna make money that's equal to trying to get belts you're going to struggle. If you go into comic book collecting thinking I'm buying this book for this value and that value and that value, you will struggle. And you like, you have to kind of come into it for that journey and, and really for the love of it. Like I, I wouldn't want to do jujitsu if I didn't like it. If 
if I hated jujitsu and I'm just still showing up every week to get wrist locked, you probably should like, I don't know, check my meds. Like is this dude medicated. What's wrong with him? Or if I'm, you know, you know, collecting comic books, spending, you know, five to $10 per book each week thinking like, Oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be one. All those books are still worth five to $10. <laughs> like, yeah. Nothing's a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. No just gotta have passion. Definitely agree. I one question that I used to ask, and I want to get back to asking. Um, and with you having been in the game, you know, since the early two thousands, that I still, you know, would be interested in knowing, like when you started training, you know, early on, um, and you know, you, you look at yourself from now. You, to you know back then is there anything that you would say to your younger self on the mats to you know your current you know brown belt self say to white belt you know coach nil you know what advice would you give yourself back then or would it wish if someone would have given to you uh that's a great question and it actually has formed my coaching mindset because when i coach and i teach i'm always thinking what can I tell this person who's relatively new to the sport that I wish I would have known? What can I show them that I wish I, I, that I wish I could have learned when I first started to avoid, you know, the miserable first couple of years of getting your butt whipped? Uh, I would say if I were to meet my younger self, who was probably very spazzy, but strong and, and nimble, I would tell myself, just allow myself to be or learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations on the mat. And I think initially when I started, and it still creeps in occasionally, I was always trying to avoid a situation where I wasn't comfortable. Like I didn't want to be inside, you know, under side control. I wouldn't want to be under someone's mount. I didn't want someone to take my back. I always wanted to have top control if at all possible. And I always wanted to be on the attack. But had I been able to convince the younger me to just enjoy the journey enough where you, you have to put yourself in bad situations and learn to breathe through it and just defend through it, um, I think that probably would have saved me some years of grief. And actually, uh, I will give a shout out to one of my OG friends, Paul Greenhill, who is now a black belt and was one of the original OGs at, at Team Lloyd Irving. He used to have us do a um, session in class where one person could only defend and the other person had to attack. And that kind of opened me up to the whole notion that because the persons who were attacking typically weren't getting submissions. And he would explain that if your focus is entirely on defending, you'll probably defend and you won't be submitted. So it got me in the mindset of thinking, well, I just need to have this, that mindset sometimes just give in knowing that for this stretch of time in this match, I'm just going to be defending because the person has got the upper hand and I just need to wait right out the storm until I can swap roles with them. Uh, but yeah, that'd be my advice. Just learn to get comfortable in, a, in, in bad situations and not freak out and use all your oxygen, your cardiovascular energy to try to escape. Just let it go. I wish I would have known that back then as well. 
because that, that, that first year, what's first year of once per week and learning that probably at, at the beginning part of, you know, year two is like, oh, wait a minute. Like if I was here more often, I probably would have learned that three months in instead of a year in. So that's definitely yes. extremely there's no, important. There's nothing worse than someone larger than you on top of you, sweating on top of you and attempting to attack your neck or, or whatever. Uh, and when you learn to ignore <laughs> ignore the, the pain and the, and the suffering, um, that's when your jujitsu really takes off, I think, because you're always only a moment away from escaping. Unless, of course, you've exhausted yourself because, you know, mentally you're, you're, you're depleted uh, by being in that bad situation. I've always thought for, uh, like, in UFC fights, you see their five-minute rounds and guys look exhausted and spent after five. It's not because they're bad athletes and they're not in shape. It's because of, you know, the psychology and the emotions and everything else that goes into, into fighting. Um, yeah. But the, some of the guys with the best cardio aren't just the guys who train at high altitude, but they're also guys who are incredibly relaxed uh, when they're fighting. Uh, but if you're yeah. tense all five minutes, uh, I can't do that anymore. I think last week I was so like just tired. So like physically burnt out. I think the last two rolls of the uh, open mat sparring after class, like I looked at, you know, my partner across from me and was like, okay, why don't we do this? And they, and they got it. Like, I didn't even have to say anything. They immediately picked up on the fact that this is going to be the most flowy flow roll that you've ever encountered. And it was just that we were just, it was a dance. We we're moving in ways where it's like, okay, we're just catching releasing and just flowing. That, that was, you know, one of the other uh, blue belts with me, the white belt that I rolled with like that, they picked up on it eventually. Cause he's like, okay, this guy's not really attacking me. He's like, I was attacking, but I wasn't like, you know, putting my weight down on him or anything and mount, you know, I was like kind of giving him room to work with. And he was just trying to keep everything loose, keep everything flowing because dude, we just got done with an hour class and then we just had 25 minutes or 20 minutes of sparring here, like six minute rounds. So let's just let's just relax do you see i i'm the sweaty guy in the gym and there's a pool right here so i don't <laughs> want to do this and and uh, there is something extremely important to that you know relaxing and not being so tense and i, I you know it, it's funny because i think it's like i wish everybody knew that but sometimes you know you can say that to people but it just it takes practice i guess to get there it does. You have to really commit yourself to the relaxation component of jujitsu. And um, it's not always the easiest thing to kind of give in to your ego and your um, aggressive mindset. But that's, that, that's what makes the journey so um, important, I guess, and so worth it. Absolutely. Well, I feel like that's the perfect spot to wrap up here on. So... Coach Nil, thank Good. you again for doing this. No, thank you for sharing that. your info. 
I appreciate you having me on. I've never done a podcast. I did radio way back when, but I've never done a podcast. So I'm putting this off, scratching this off my bucket list. Well, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need, you're still at Severna Park, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I need to come visit you guys at some point. I told Jose I was going to do that. Yep. We are there on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings now, I believe. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to, to roll with you. It, it's, it's funny because sometimes on Saturday mornings, you'll show up and it's a whole bunch of the, the old Ivy League guys. And it's like, oh, this is the OG. And I'm like, oh, OG crew. Like, I need to come here more. And then I'll come the next week. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> There's a bunch of new faces and no old faces here anymore. Like, yeah. Y'all need to text me. Let me know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I'm putting it on my list of things to do and just let everyone know if, if they go after my left ankle, it's on. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure, you know, the crew that's there, they, they know they, those seems like, okay, we've got a Jedi walking in here. Y'all better chill. Like, just relax. Um, but, but good, good. And, you know, you know, with this being your first time doing a podcast, I'm, I'm glad to, to have, you know, opened you to to this world uh hopefully i'd love to have you back on again just the you know like the conversation was so casual and super flowy it's like dude that felt like a flow roll so <laughs> love to have you back on that's us we're we're, we're distinguished gentlemen we we, we flow <laughs> hey I'm, I'm getting there like i, I wouldn't go that far as i'm distinguished yet uh, i'm a gentleman yet but i'm working there i'm working there you know yeah yeah i'd be happy to come back and i'll watch a few more horror flicks and give you my opinions on that okay you know i'm all for that as a matter of fact after i get done here i have to have my wife record a intro for the our nightmare on elm street episode and oh. then i got some notes to do for a found footage episode so oh nice it never ends it never ends right. well, as long as you're doing what you love absolutely and as always to everyone listening thank you so much if you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, feel free to reach out. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram. Um, either of those spots, uh, mostly BJJ wiki because that's kind of the major one. But and also you can email me. I sometimes check them. Not a lot. But you can email me at off the mats podcast or is it off the mats 2020. Offmas2020 at gmail.com. I do check it, I promise you. It's just I got a lot of emails, I got a lot of Instagram accounts. Sometimes I'll be forgetting things. So, but I the link will be in the show notes. That's it's much easier. Um, and I love to give a big shout out to my crew over there at Neurage Radio. Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn, Phil, Ricky Tiki. If you guys make this far every week, you know the names because I actually forget most of them. Um Thank you to those guys. If it weren't for them, I would not be doing podcasting. I started with them many, many years ago, and here we are now. I had to do my own show because they didn't want to talk about jujitsu. They want to talk comics. So I just made my own show. So thank you to Nerd Rage Radio. Go check them out if you're not listening to them. Also want to give a big shout out to my other podcast. So you like horror? It's about scary movies. And as you probably just heard, there's a Nightmare on Elm Street episode that is out. You guys should probably go listen to that. It was a fun time talking with uh, another grappler, actually, up there in Ohio, um, Chad Kuhn, up at uh, Team East Coast. So 
go check that episode out. And Eugene Weaver, an author. So um, go check that episode out. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we're prepping for a couple more fun episodes in the Cursed Films um, arena there. So we're going to be talking about the Twilight Zone, the film, or Twilight, Twilight Zone, the movie. And then we're getting ready to set up the Omen as well because apparently there's some cursed stuff going on they believe but twilight zone the movie it wasn't cursed it was just john landis was breaking some laws and they say it's cursed i say it was just bad bad judgment and last but not least i would love to give a big shout out here again to mr coach neil duke thank you for doing this i, I had a great time and i feel like i learned so much just as usual, I'm always learning from you. So thank you for that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you making the time, especially on short notes. I, I just reached out to you the other day. And you're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, what the I have to change the date. And you're like, yeah, I could do that too. Like, yeah, I, I work from home, so I'm a captive audience. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So thank you for that. And as always, thank you again to all the listeners. You guys keep listening. And we're going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye. They probably said, now let me see his song.